should form the identity of every person on the planet, whether you're a Christian or not. This is what the Bible says is true of you as a human. And those statements are, number one, I was made on purpose for a purpose. Number two, I'm made in God's image and am therefore valuable. Three, God chose my sex and it's good. Four, I have a sin nature, but God can help me rise above it. Five, I'm designed for loving relationships. Six, I'm accountable to God for how I live. Seven, I'm designed for a love relationship with God. And then finally, eight, I will live forever. And my future depends upon my relationship with Jesus Christ. The fact of the matter is we need to be reminded of what God says is true about us. Uh, If you're not a Christian, it has been our prayer, and it is our prayer that you'll be so uh, enamored with God's vision for your life that you'll run to Him in faith. And and as Christians, the fact is there are a lot of false ideas about what it means to be human in our culture, and they intersect us, and they seep into us, and uh, we are told in Romans that unless we are being renewed in our mind, we will be conformed to the thinking of the world. And so this series can uh, be a renewing uh, factor in our minds to help us remember who God says that we are. Raise your hand if you own an Apple device. iPad, iPhone, iPod, Mac computer. Yep, here's my, I, here's my iPhone. Uh, did you know that I, uh, Apple products have no on-off switch? So I can hold this down uh, long enough, but then there's another step I have to go to in order to power off. Uh, No Apple product has a a straight on-off switch. And that, do you know why that is? Why? It has to do with Steve Jobs' discomfort with death. Isn't that fascinating? So Walter uh, Isaacson was Steve Jobs' personal biographer. And, on a, and during a 60-minute interview, he recounted a conversation he had with Steve Jobs in Jobs's backyard. And they were talking about uh, Steve's belief in God. And so here's what Isaacson said. Steve, Steve said, well, sometimes I don't. It's 50-50. But ever since I've had cancer, I've been thinking about it more, and I find myself believing a bit more. Maybe that's because I want to believe in an afterlife, that when you die, it doesn't just all disappear. The wisdom you've accumulated, somehow it just lives on. Then he paused for a second. He said, yeah, but sometimes I think it's like an on-off switch. Click, and you're gone. He paused again and then said, and that's why I don't put on-off switches on Apple products. Steve Jobs, the god of Apple, the creator of Apple products, said, you know what, I don't like the idea that you can just turn something off and everything gets lost. And so uh, he, as a result, built his products, his creation, uh, without an on-off switch. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, that God has set eternity in the hearts of people. Isn't that interesting? God has placed 
eternity in our hearts. Even though we live in a time-bound universe where things have a beginning and things have an end, God has put within us a, a, a desire for immortality. Every person on the planet has thought to himself or herself probably multiple times, it's not right that I should die. It, this is just wrong. I have so much more potential, so many more skills I could develop, so much more I could learn, so much more I contribute, I, so many, so many uh, relationships that could go deeper. The idea that my life is 120 years out in, a, in maximum is just not right. Have you felt that? Hasn't that just bothered you? That's because God has placed eternity in our hearts. He's given us that desire. He's given us that longing for immortality because it's a longing he can fulfill and wants to fulfill. And he put that, that uh, eternity in our hearts to uh, draw our attention to him so that we would pursue him. Have you heard the uh, YOLO cry? YOLO! All young people know what YOLO is. It's an acronym for you only live once. YOLO! And I'm sure that YOLO was intended to inspire us not to waste our lives, right? And that sentiment is absolutely echoed in the Bible. In fact, the Apostle Paul cries YOLO in Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 15 and 16, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And yes, the Bible says, hey, this life matters. What we do in this life echoes into eternity. Don't waste your life. Absolutely, YOLO. But there is another idea that often accompanies YOLO with which the Bible adamantly disagrees, and that's the idea that not only do you only live once, this is the only life you get. And that idea was uh, well articulated by a, a Jewish man on his deathbed, and he told his spiritual counselor, look, when I die, they put my body six feet into the ground, and that's it. I just cease to exist. Not only do we only live once, this is the only life we get. And there are a lot of people who, that's their self-understanding. When, when this body breaks down and this body dies, so, so do I. I cease to exist. They don't believe in a soul. They do not think of themselves as eternal. But the truth that we're proclaiming today, the teaching of the Bible, is that I will live forever, and so you, will you. Every person on the planet, we will live forever. And our future depends on our relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that although humans have a beginning, we, didn't, we don't pre-exist, uh, we begin, uh, our lives begin our, uh, at the point of fertilization, egg fertilization. But from that point on, we continue. We live and live and live. And so here are just, I mean, there are tons of scriptures, but here are just a couple. Uh, the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, 
and he's, um, he's prophesying about the future judgment. Chapter uh, 12, verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, dead people, come back to life, to face the judgment, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And the key word there is everlasting. So, you die, but then God brings you back to life to face the judgment, and then you are sent to one of two possible destinies. Uh, presence with God in heaven, apart from God in what the Bible calls hell. Matthew chapter 25, here's the New Testament. Jesus is talking about that future day of judgment, and he, he tells us, by the way, I'm the one who's going to be doing the judging, and there will be two groups. Verse 46 of Matthew 25, and these will go away into eternal punishment, those who uh, are not the follower of the followers of Christ, but the righteous into eternal life. So there is eternal punishment in hell and eternal life with God. Michael, uh, when Michael was 13, he was sitting on his bed cross-legged, and he had uh, recently encountered the, the idea that there might not be a God. And he, he was, thought that was quite intriguing and, and decided he liked that. And so at age 13, he said out loud on his bed, there's no God. I don't believe there's a God. And then he quickly covered his head because he thought maybe there is a God and maybe a lightning bolt will get me. But nothing happened. And so that encouraged him. And he said, okay, there must not be a God. Otherwise, I would have been, you know, gotten and so from the age of 13 on, he, he became an, an atheist, and he's the kind of kid that started reading up on atheist writings. He became very um, knowledgeable and set and adamant and the kind of guy that ridiculed Christians and those who believed in God. Uh, he, when he went to college, he studied philosophy. But it, it, it's interesting that it was reading uh, Richard Dawkins, one of the new atheist apologists, that he actually started uh, doubting his atheism. Because Dawkins was talking about this, the idea of be, uh, perceptual burkas. And he was saying, look, people uh, wear a perceptual burqa. Uh, we're all limited in, in how we perceive reality. And there are lots of things that limit that. But it's as if we're all wearing a burqa and we can only see some of reality. And that caused Michael to ask the question, well, might there be truth out there that can't be discovered through the scientific method? Is, might there be truth out there that I'm unaware of that might even require a revelation to know? And this started pestering his mind, and so he began to read the Bible. And through the reading of the Bible, uh, he became increasingly uh, aware of the reality of God. And, and then the day came when he started praying. And he started saying, all right, God, if you exist, please reveal yourself to me. And he said it was about uh, a week after praying that, that he was driving home from work one day, 
And all of a sudden, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he said, all of a sudden, that verse went from being an, an, an interesting idea that was kind of uh, rumbling around in my head to it became a reality for me. And he said, all of a sudden, it, it went from, wow, that's very that's an interesting possibility to, uh, for God so loved Michael, that since Michael believes, he will not perish, but Michael will have eternal life. And he said, it just changed my life. Do you believe that you will live forever? And if you don't, why not? Are you sure that uh, everything that is knowable can be uncovered by the senses? Might it be possible that there is a creator God who cares enough about us that he reveals to us truth that we could not otherwise know? And that's the claim of, of the Bible, right? This is the word of God that he has chosen to reveal himself to impart to us knowledge we could not otherwise have. And the Bible says, you and I will live forever. And if that's the case, then, well, hmm, I ought to put some energy into uh, making sure that my future is secure. And so the second part, I will live forever, and my future depends upon my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the other monster teaching of the scriptures, that uh, where we spend eternity has everything to do with how we uh, respond to Jesus, the Son of the living God, right now in this uh, life. John chapter 3 verse 36 sums it up quite clearly. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Do you have the Son or not? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ or not? Well, the Bible says if you are a Christ follower, you have eternal life. If not, well, the wrath of God remains on you. Your sins haven't been forgiven. John chapter 14 uh, verses 1 through 7, Jesus is here talking to his disciples, and he's told them, hey, I'm going to be dying soon, uh, and they're distressed about this, and so Jesus encourages them. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So Jesus had told his disciples, listen, I'm going to die, but I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And they say, now, why would I do that? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. I love this. Jesus is saying, you're my friends. And I'm going to go get, you know, get a place in heaven ready, but you can be sure I'm going to come back and get you because I want to be with you. And I'm going to take you with me to heaven so we can hang out forever. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How in the world can we know the way? <laughs> Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. And so if you uh, are a friend of Jesus, if you're his follower, uh, he says, then I want to be with you forever and ever, and I'm going to come back and get you and take you to where I am so we can hang out. Don't you like a God who loves us enough that he's like, I don't want to be apart from you, so I'm going to just come and get you. Well, on the other hand, if you have rejected Jesus in this, this life, you're not his friend, well, then you don't get access to heaven because he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So I had a uh, roommate in college who just thought it was totally presumptuous that I claimed to know that I was going to heaven. And he was a churchgoer. He considered himself a Christian, but he just thought, because I, I said, yeah, yeah, I know I'm going to heaven. Mike, you cannot know that. I said, no, I do. You have no idea what you're going to do between now and the time you die. So you have no idea if you're going to get to heaven. Of course, his understanding of how we got to heaven was be good enough, right? So what if I royally blew it between now and, and death? And I said, look, the reason I know I'm going to heaven is because it's not about my goodness. It's about the fact that Jesus has died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins, and Jesus lived a righteous life that gets credited to my account. And as long as I'm united to Christ by faith, and I'm not planning to give up my faith in Jesus, well then I'm, I can know that I'm right with God and will go to heaven when I die. He just thought that was absolutely nuts. Too good to be true. Well, in 1 John chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, we read this. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Pretty simple. Do you have the Son or not? Are you a Christian or not? Verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So here's God saying, I don't want you to be unsure about your eternal destiny. I'm writing these things so that you can know that you have eternal life. I want you right now to be absolutely sure that when you die, you're coming with me and you'll spend eternity with me. If you don't have assurance in your heart, about your future. Don't leave here today without it. Uh, there is no lunch appointment that's more important than your eternity. There's no task, right? Uh, stick around, talk to me. We've got elders, we've got Pastor James, Sabrina, a lot of people here who would love uh, to, to help you know for sure where you're going when you die. In John chapter 17, verse 3, we read this. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life is not just living forever, because we've already said all people are eternal. It's, it's more than just kind of living forever. It has to do with quality of life. So when the Bible talks about eternal life, it's talking not just about continued existence, but it's talking about life as it was meant to be lived, life in relationship with God. And all that that entails. Because when you have a friendship with God, uh, all of God's goodness and all of His power and all of His glory 
is uh, available to you. It's given to you. And so what is eternal life? That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So you can live, but if you don't have that relationship with God, uh, you're not really living, the Bible says. That's why Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Which means people who don't have a friendship with God on earth are living a less than life. That's the reality. They don't have, they're not living eternal life. They don't have access to the life of the Spirit, which is qualitatively better and qualitatively different. When you are a friend of God, and when your life is animated with the hope of eternal life, the pressure's off. Kind of the final thought I want to leave you with. But the, the, the difference between believing that I live for you know maximum 120 years and it's over versus saying I'm going to live forever in the presence of a good God. Uh, it's, it completely uh, changes the, the way you live your life. What you value, how you spend your time and energy, your resources. I mean, think about it. If you believe that this is the only life I get, that means I have 120 years at the absolute maximum to uh, learn, to uh, enjoy the world, to travel, to become all that I can be, to uh, pursue an interest, pursue, uh, develop a skill, to be, uh, enjoy a relationship. That's not very long, right? That's stressful <laughs> because you realize I'll never I'm never going to be able to uh, to be satisfied to to really go be all that I can be. And what if you have loss? You get sick, or or you lose a loved one, or you lose your job. Any kind of loss. There's no redemptiveness to loss, right? It's just taken away from my already short life. Ah, and now now imagine that you're born in a third world country. And you're thinking, there are so many obstacles uh, in front of me. I, I'll never even become like an average American. Or let's imagine you're born in North Korea and you're under this oppressive regime. And what's your entire, you know, your one life that you get to live. You just happen to get born in North Korea in which you're going to kind of eke out an existence. Is that frustrating? Is that pressurized? This is probably why Henry David Thoreau said, you know, most people live lives of quiet desperation. If you think this life is all I've got, the pressure is on. And life is so frustrating. On the flip side, when you say, I've got a relationship with God, and I have all of eternity to enjoy his creation, he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, I have all of creation to explore and become and, and, and develop my voice and my musical abilities, which I'm postponing till heaven. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. It would stress me out otherwise because I know there's a virtuoso deep within me in many fields. But, but I, can, I can just let it go because that's happening like 20 billion years from now. And so we read in Scripture. I mean, listen, listen to this Scripture. 
Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And what's the Bible say? If you're a Christian, God is for you. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And that's the truth. When you have a friendship with God, throughout eternity, you will be given all things. The pressure is off. And nothing that you have foregone in this world for God's glory and the benefit of other people. You write a check and you say, I'm not going to spend it on me and mine. I'm going to spend it on God's mission and on other people. Anything that you forego in this world for God's glory and the benefit of other people will be repaid to you in spades throughout eternity. Any loss that is endured by faith, it will be redeemed throughout all time. The pressure is off. We Christians should, uh, we, our lives should be animated by this great truth that I'm going to live forever with God in heaven And it should change the way we live practically right here and right now. Which is why the Apostle Paul says, uh, when people ask you for the hope that's within you, give them an answer, be prepared uh, to give them an answer with meekness and fear. But the assumption is people are going to ask us about the hope that's within us because we're living hope-filled lives that are different from the rest of the world. So Steve uh, Jobs not wanting an on-off switch, I, I have to agree with that. We don't get turned off. We live forever. And God wants us to to live with forever with him in heaven. That's what he created us for. And that's why he has revealed himself in his word. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, because he longs for you to be with him in heaven. He's made it all possible uh, through the sending of his son, Jesus. Do you have the son? Yes. 